This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Honor the victims, celebrate the heroes. That's Genius Book Publishing's approach to true crime. Covering some of the most important cases in crime worldwide, our books never glorify the killers. From the Melissa Witt case all the way to the Golden State Killer and the Zodiac, if you're looking for solid, meticulously researched, thrilling true crime, look no further than Genius Book Publishing's catalog of titles. Visit GeniusTrueCrime.com for the best true crime books available. Also available on Amazon, Kobo, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes. Hi, I'm Alicia Lockhart. And I'm LaDonna Humphrey. We're the co-hosts of the Deep Dark Secrets podcast. We have some really exciting news to share with you. This May, we're headed to True Crime Fest Northwest Arkansas. That's right, I'm so excited. True Crime Fest Northwest Arkansas is happening on May 20th in Rogers, Arkansas. And we're gonna be joining podcasters like Katherine Townsend, Crawl Space, and True Crime Garage, and others to share stories of the missing and murdered, and to reflect on the heroes that are fighting to bring awareness to victims across the United States. True Crime Fest Northwest Arkansas promises to be an exciting event that supports a great cause. All the ticket sales benefit All the Lost Girls, which is a nonprofit founded in honor of Melissa Witt. We hope you'll make plans to come see us and all of the other amazing advocates that are fighting for justice. For more information and to get your tickets, visit allthelostgirls.org. We'll see you there at True Crime Fest. Alicia Lockhart. And I'm LaDonna Humphrey. Welcome to Deep Dark Secrets, the podcast that shines a light in some really dark places. Today, we have an incredibly disturbing story to unpack for our listeners. Alicia, it's about a man who has been dubbed as the morgue monster. They're all monsters in my opinion, but yes, this man is especially horrific. Oh, he's disgusting. The morgue monster's legal name is actually David Fuller. And get this, not only did he murder two people over 30 years ago, he went on to do something unthinkable. He sexually abused over 100 corpses at hospitals in the United Kingdom between 2007 and 2020. It's a long span of time. He was just out there being disgusting with every corpse he could get his hands on. He was so depraved that as he lived out his deep, dark, secret fantasies, he subsequently defiled the bodies of all kinds of people, Alicia, including a nine-year-old little girl and a hundred-year-old woman. 
that's a huge span. And another link with like, hey, I'm into death fetish pornography. I'm into necrophilia. Also into children sexually. He just will take what he can get. And that's the worst kind of predator. And for our listeners, if you're curious, how did he get away with this? He did all of this while he was working as a technical maintenance supervisor and an electrician at various hospitals. My mind is blown. So that's how he got access to all of those corpses. That's just so scary to think that somebody working in hospitals is thinking and fantasizing about doing things like this. The story is so much to unpack. David Fuller was just so sick and so twisted. And LaDonna, I'm not sure if you knew about this, but after his arrest, authorities were so concerned by the extent of disturbing behavior that they had uncovered that they actually ordered all the hospitals in his surrounding area to review their security footage to determine if he had been at their hospitals. Oh, wow. They must have been extremely concerned that he had been raping dead bodies all across the United Kingdom. Yeah, it sounds like he was. So, I mean, the, the concern was warranted. And the government in the UK also announced that they were going to go ahead and conduct an independent investigation into his life history because they were concerned that he may have committed more murders and abused way more corpses than they knew about. This guy was such a creep. And, you know, sometimes I give them nicknames. And I have nicknamed this guy the Necrophilia Nymphomaniac. I just like that better than Morgue Monster. I don't know. It's accurate. He was just a creep. And authorities had legitimate reason to be concerned about this guy. After all, Fuller, who's now 68, he openly admitted to the crimes he committed. I mean, he was like, yeah, I did it. And he's serving a life sentence for the sexually motivated murders of Wendy Nell, age 25, and a woman named Carolyn Pierce, age 20. He murdered those women in two separate attacks that took place in Tunbridge Wells, Kent in 1987. And after being linked to those murders in 2020, police then uncovered like this horrifying desire he had to sexually abuse dead bodies. And believe it or not, Fuller readily admitted, like I mentioned earlier, to those crimes. I mean, he was kind of proud of what he did. I don't think he cared. He loves necrophilia. And it was just kind of like, yeah, I did it. And to be honest, there's no doubt in my mind that David Fuller was a death fetisher through and through. Absolutely. He was most definitely a death fetisher. Like he's checking all the boxes there. And not only is he a death fetish predator, but he is violent. Those murders that he committed were terribly violent and depraved. According to the records, Wendy Nell was found dead in her apartment on Guildford Road on June 23rd, 1987. And her body showed signs of blunt force trauma to the head, asphyxiation, and also sexual assault post-mortem. Then Caroline Pierce, the other poor soul that he crossed paths with, she was murdered just five months after Wendy's death. So David Fuller was like, ooh, I want to do that again. That was a good time, apparently. It's just sick. Makes me wonder... 
how many other people he murdered. I mean, that's like a question mark in my mind. And there's no way it was just two of them. Caroline Pierce was murdered outside of her home in Grosvenor Park on November 24th, 1987. According to the police records, Carolyn's neighbors described that they had heard some screams from her flat on the night she was murdered. So the police were called and they investigated, but they couldn't find Carolyn. She was reported missing and there was this extensive search that began. Everyone was looking for Carolyn Pierce. Sadly, Carolyn's naked body was discovered later. They found it in a water-filled dike at St. Mary in the Marsh, and that was on December 15th, 1987. So it took them almost a month to find her. That's really sad. What happened with those cases? I mean, those were cases you're mentioning from, you know, the 80s. What happened? He committed these crimes, and he wasn't caught for either of those murders. Both cases actually were cold. They were considered cold cases until 2020 when some DNA evidence was processed from both women's bodies. And this DNA evidence did link Fuller to both women and to their murders. Wow, so they got him by the DNA. Thank God he was caught. If I'm being honest, it gives me chills. I have to wonder, like I said before, I'm doing the math in my head, how many other women he would have killed between 1987 and 2020. Well, yeah, we have some listeners in the UK. So if you are in that area, you know of a cold case that was never solved from the 80s or the 90s or even the early 2000s, you might want to consider this man. Well, yeah, for sure, because no wonder the government in the UK has opened up this independent investigation into David Fuller. I mean, I think it's very possible that David Fuller is a death fetish serial killer. I'm almost convinced of it. I mean, after his arrest, authorities examined his computer and hard drive, and guess what they found? 818,501 images and 504 videos of his abuse. Wait, wait, wait. So he had almost a million images? Yes. Can you imagine this? And they were all of him abusing those dead bodies. He was videotaping himself raping those bodies. Oh, so he's also a death fetish producer. Exactly. And they found all of that. And along with that evidence of this persistent and pervasive interest in rape, you know, abuse, murder, and necrophilia, they found that some of these videos were so horrific and so extreme and so violent and so gruesome. And there's not enough adjectives that I can use here that they actually charged this guy with four counts of possession of extreme pornography. That's how bad it was. I just, it's so hard for me to wrap my head around this. This has to be the king of death fetish. This guy is worse than anybody we've ever covered on our podcast. I agree. Police found that these videos and photos that were saved on his computer were saved in different folders with names like this. Necro Lord, Register, Deadly, Deadliest, and Best Yet. So he's almost mirroring what I just said. He's the worst ever, and he considers himself the Necro Lord. You're exactly right. And he was pretty organized about it, too, because also included in these folders were the names, the numbers, and dates, plus photos of a mortuary logbook he used 
to create kind of a listing of which corpses he had defiled. Oh, he's taking data on his crimes. Yeah, he was an organized necrophiliac, apparently. He just cataloged it, and I'm sure he was sharing that somewhere. It immediately gets my mind, you know, to wondering, was he sharing it with some other necrophiliac buddies, or was he just using it to relive those moments himself in the privacy of his own home? I don't know that we'll ever know, but it's pretty disgusting. This is exactly the kind of guy who would be posting content like on documenting reality. Yeah, that's the type. David Fuller, that's the type. And it actually gets even worse because afterward, he would look up some of the victims on Facebook, if you can believe that. A forensic examination of his computer and hard drive showed his account linked to at least eight victims. It also revealed searches for rape and murder along with images of naked, deceased women. And there were also links to sites that had images of strangulation, slash wounds, and dead women being abused. This guy was sick. I want to keep researching him because I'm pretty sure we can figure out what his screen name was. He was in those death fetish forums. I think that you're right about that. This is just so heart-wrenching for the families of all of these necrophilia victims. Like, can you imagine how devastated and angry they must have been, LaDonna? No, I can't. I mean, I'm just thinking about that. You have a loved one that passes away and you think that they're safe at the hospital in the morgue. I just, I can't imagine that kind of betrayal a family would feel to know that someone in a hospital defiled their loved one. Well, also like realizing too that he had, you know, gone and found their Facebook account. He was linked through Facebook to at least eight of them. So he was looking them up and adding them as a friend. And I'm sure their family members were probably just trying to approve anybody that wanted access to those sweet photos of the person after they died. It's just so sick to think that a person like that is on the web, lurking around, reliving the abuse they played out on your dead loved one, going to their Facebook profile. And also, as I researched court records, I did see impact statements made by various family members. And there was a sister of one of the women who was abused after death who spoke out in court. And she just expressed her absolute disgust at David's actions. And she described him as a monster. Well, that's accurate. He was a monster. Totally accurate. Another victim's family said, Quote, the pain and emotional upset seared through my body like a knife. He took advantage of her helplessness in death where we were unable to protect her. End quote. This family member goes on to address David directly. She says, David, I want you to know how much damage you've caused, how your sick and twisted behavior has damaged families like mine. I'm pleased that you're now being held accountable for what you did only seven hours after she died. Oh, that is just sad. So he was not wasting any time when there were dead bodies in that morgue. That is gross. I don't understand how people weren't seeing him. I mean, I wonder if he was there doing the tech work at night or something when there was less people around. That's my guess. I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, working as an electrician, I'm sure there was electrical work that he had to do in the morgue as you would anywhere else. 
and he just took advantage of that situation. There was a father of another victim who said that he could not even put into words how disturbing it was to find out what happened to his daughter at Fuller's hands. And there was another brother, different victim, who spoke up and said he has caused complete and utter devastation. David Fuller has tainted every single memory I have of my sister. All I can do is think of what he did to my sister when she was supposed to be resting. That's incredibly sad. That That's a whole new level of low from a fetisher. I mean, this is just awful for the families. It's awful for the victims. It's awful for the staff of the hospital. Can you imagine? My heart hurts for those families, and I can't even begin to imagine how I would feel if a death fetisher abused one of my family members. I'm glad to report that the judge recognized that Fuller's action had caused what they said as quote-unquote profound harm to hundreds of people, so that was recognized. And during his sentencing, the judge, Justice Chima Grubb, had this to say, you will remain in prison until death. That justice was pretty firm with, I'm not going to let you out. The sentencing was televised. And during the sentencing, that justice explained that some of the women were abused very, very soon after their death. Some, even before their loved ones, had been able to visit them in the morgue. Some of them had been abused before their family members were even notified of their death. Wow. And it was that quick. The judge then looks directly at David Fuller and says, You have no regard for the dignity of the dead. You've spent years living a lie, the facade of a mild and ordinary life. While in seclusion, you committed revolting and outrageous acts of the deepest darkness. You have a family who you deceived over all of these years. The depravity of what you did to those you killed and those you defiled after death reveals that your conscience is seared. It is almost impossible to believe that a single man can cause the misery to so many that you have done. But you did it, and in consequence, you are paying the price that human justice can exact the rest of your mortal life in prison. I'm so glad that they had the chance to say that to him. He needed to hear that. It really blows my mind that he was able to get away with this for so long with so many people. Well, I also want to point out something that the judge said, and I bet it jumped out at you too. She called him out for having spent like this mild and ordinary life. That caught my attention because this is what we always say about the fetishers. They are ordinary people. You cannot pick them out in a crowd. And so I love that the judge called that out because I feel like that's like a cautionary tale to the rest of us. Like there was no way to know that this guy was a creep the way that he was. And the fact that the judge recognized that on record, I thought was pretty important. He was operating within a family with a partner. Yeah, for sure. It just sounds like he was just like some normal guy that was an electrician that was doing these things on the side. And I wanted to just add really quickly, I know we expressed sadness for the victim's families, but Alicia, can you imagine being related to this guy and finding out that that's what he'd been doing? Yeah, even just the amount of stuff he had on his computer, what that tells me is that he was spending significant amounts of time 
reliving these scenarios, watching the videos. And so that means that he was away from his family at that time. So he was probably just always locked up in a room or an office. You know, they probably thought he was a very busy, hardworking man. And really, he was just a nasty fetisher. It's so sad that he had this obsession and that it impacted so many different people so negatively. And I think what's even worse is that David Fuller sat through this whole sentencing with the judge and all the the victims, family members making statements, and he had no reaction to any of these words, no remorse, absolutely nothing. What a creep. He didn't even react as there were members of the public yelling at him, people calling him scum, people yelling out that he was evil. He just appeared to be completely unfazed by all of it. Wow. I wonder what gets somebody to that point in their life where they just don't care about their actions. I mean, I know that necrophilia is considered a mental illness, but what would cause somebody to have no emotion? Just They just no longer care or they don't see a problem with their actions? It's really, really creepy to imagine him in that scenario just being so cold. And his demeanor was addressed outside of the courtroom by Detective Superintendent Ivan Beasley when he gave an interview for the media. And he said, quote, our absolute and unequivocal priority from day one has been ensuring justice for every single victim violated by Fuller's systematic and unimaginably depraved offending. Detective Beasley went on to say, today's sentencing will mean little to this abhorrent individual who, throughout our investigation and this hearing, has demonstrated no remorse and only a capacity for self-pity. His crimes have led to immeasurable suffering and inconceivable trauma to the lives of hundreds of daughters, sons, parents, and other loved ones of all those he abused. That is a very, very, very powerful statement by that detective. And he's right. His crimes were not without consequence. It did impact and hurt hundreds and hundreds of people. I like that he pointed out that the only emotion he really saw was this capacity for self-pity. I feel like we've seen that in some of the death fetish producers that we've talked to directly. They just play the victim. Oh, I can think of five on my hand right now. You know, it's not that they're glorifying the murder of women and producing content that can lead to murder. It's that LaDonna and Alicia dare expose them. Woe is me. Woe is me, said the death fetisher. I know I'm always making like these jokes to deal with this dark humor, but that's really the way it is. They just feel sorry for themselves. They're ridiculous. For sure. And Honestly, there's no doubt in my mind why Fuller is referred to as one of the most evil men in UK criminal history. I mean, it's clear just by what he did and his crimes, like I mentioned, they impacted hundreds of people over the course of two decades. It's not like it was a one-time week-long spree of crime. This was two decades. This is his whole life. It's probably the only thing he really cared about. Yeah, it's the only thing he was serious about was necrophilia. And authorities believe honestly, that they've only uncovered the tip of the iceberg with Fuller. So they've set up a tip line to assist them in their quest to find more information about this depraved fetisher. And so far, 
what I've discovered is the tip line has received like 200 calls, Alicia, from people all over the UK who believe the bodies of relatives and friends may have been defiled by the morgue monster. They're scared to death that their loved one was raped by this man after death. And in fact, detectives fear that Fuller's morgue victims could actually run into the thousands, not the hundreds, the thousands. Wow. Well, he had such a big span of time. The whole thing just gives me full body chills. This man and everything that he did, the two murders, likely many more murders, all of the morgue victims, the almost a million pieces of death fetish pornography that he created mostly himself, all of it just makes me take pause. And I would be willing to bet that his videos are being circulated within these forums because I don't think somebody like this could keep that to themselves. I think he would want people to see his fine work as he would label it. I feel like he probably would have shared these. What do you think? I do. I mean, that thought has crossed my mind. And I think it's probably worth us reaching out to authorities in the UK to ask if they've even looked into that possibility. It would be really interesting to find out if any of his videos or photos are circulating within those gore sites, the death fetish forums, and those death fetish sites. Because if they are, they need to be removed from the internet. But I I just wonder if police have thought about that avenue. We've been going down the list, figuring out the identities of all these death fetish producers. Some of them, their specialty is morgue porn. And you can't watch these videos and say for certain whether or not this is a real morgue or a set. So one of these death fetish producers could absolutely just be this collection of David Fuller's real footage. Oh, that's just so creepy. It's absolutely creepy. And thinking about that possibility, it makes me really sad for families that videos of their loved ones could be online like that. And this is just a really good example, another angle, another reason why these videos need to come off the internet. These should not be here. We need to make sure that these morgue porn videos are not real. I agree with that completely, Alicia. So I think that I'm adding this to our ever-growing to-do list of things that we need to research and check up on. We have a lot of big goals and plans, and this is a full-time job, I'm telling you. like I spend about 40 hours a week with the podcast, the research, all the things we're doing here. And I'm going to add this to my list, and I'm absolutely going to try to see if I can find these videos anywhere. I think that's a worthy cause, Alicia. We've got to have some answers there, and maybe it could help in the UK investigation that's still ongoing. But before we wrap up this episode, I did want to add an interesting detail that I uncovered about the David Fuller case. It's crazy. Recently, this woman came forward after seeing all of the news footage about his crimes. And she told police that she had been involved in a two-year secret relationship with him. What? So she was his secret girlfriend? You got to be kidding me. (laughs) No, I'm not kidding you, actually. Did she know that he was into death fetish and that he was making morgue videos? She had no idea. In fact, she is quoted as saying this about Fuller. He was an ordinary, quiet man, and he was a perfect gentleman with me. 
I didn't see a bad side to him at all. And then she went on to add, it's clear that I'm lucky to even be alive. That is beyond comprehension. I can really relate to this feeling after my experience being drugged and sexually assaulted in a morgue porn video. I feel that way every day. I think I'm so lucky to be alive because I was in a room alone with a guy who was so into this death fetish pornography that he was making it. He was filming it. He was a producer. So I totally understand that feeling that she has of just looking back on your memories and feeling so very lucky to have escaped with your life. I think you are lucky to be alive, Alicia. I really do. I think about that a lot. I think that you were in a situation where that could have gone the other way. And just to kind of hammer home what you just said, that's why it is so imperative that we do everything we can to stop violent porn. Yeah, we have to change this. This cannot continue on the internet. And I do fear for the lives of any models, any women, any partners who are spending time with these guys whether it's a death fetish producer or just a consumer looking up the videos on the internet, these guys are dangerous and we don't know that they're doing it until it's too late. I agree. They are dangerous. And that's why we continue to release these episodes, you know, every Monday. And I think this is a good place to just kind of stop and let the let the listener kind of think about this. This one is a heavy, heavy case to unpack. I mean, just the horrors of this. So thank you everyone for tuning in today. I do hope you'll check back with us next Monday as we release yet another episode about the seedy underworld of death fetish porn and related murders. Yeah, we're just getting tuned up. Like we might do a hundred episodes on death fetish. I hope we do. So between now and then, if anybody wants to get involved, if you want to join us in our quest to stop death fetish, you can visit our website at deepdarksecretspodcast.com. We would hope that you might take the time to click on the advocacy link, scroll down the page, and go to our petition. There's a sign our petition button you can click. And it just takes like 30 seconds. You just type your name in and hit enter with your email address. And that will help us in the long haul because every signature we have counts. It stands for another person who is saying no more death fetish in this world. And it really paints a picture as we continue doing work to put teeth in the national federal obscenity laws. If we can show to legislators, look at this. There's all these people who are outraged by this and know that this needs to change. It'll it'll help us um, get these laws changed faster. Absolutely. And every single signature makes a difference. So please consider signing and also share that petition. If you share it on social media, you can use the hashtag Deep Dark Secrets Podcast. You can use the hashtag Stop Violent Porn. You can use the hashtag stop death fetish, but just share that with your friends and your community and maybe even share your favorite episode of our podcast so you can help spread the word and educate the United States and eventually the world about the truth behind violent pornography. We cannot do this without you. So please consider joining us. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, stay safe and keep your lights on. 
For exclusive content from this episode and all other episodes, head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com backslash deep dark secrets. Sign up and you'll be able to see some visuals that accompany each episode.